You are listening to the Point Harbor Church Podcast. Experience a place where you can grow in your faith, connect with others, and discover the story God has for your life. For more resources, visit us online at pointharbor.com. He is good. Have a seat. Have a seat. If you're new here, you're like, good night. They're just starting preaching. Yeah, just hang on, hang on. Amen. Wasn't that great? One of them, one of the guys there is in my point group, hallelujah. And one of the ladies in the early service point group. So that's exciting for me. Well, it's all exciting for me. But it's kind of neat when you got a personal connection, amen. So how you doing? You good spirits? All right, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we have something today that is amazing. And when I kind of understood it, it was, it was just kind of, you know, just blew my mind uh, as well because I had gone years without really seeing this and the importance of it. So if you have a Bible, turn to Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, and uh, that is where we're going to be. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the seatbacks around you, uh, close hopefully, and that is our gift to you. Um, Acts chapter 2, that is going to be on page number, let me see if I can find it for you, 2007 in that Bible, okay? (laughs) But Acts chapter 2 is where we're going to be. We're going to get there in a second. But have you ever felt totally powerless, you know, can't fix your personal crises? Uh, A lot of us do different times, many of you do today. And I I wonder if you've ever been in a powerless church or one that feels powerless. and some of you were brought up in one. <laughs> we, uh, I was brought up to go to church whether you're home or on vacation. So years ago, I had just become pastor here. We didn't have any money. Wanted to go to some place. A pastor friend of mine uh, said, hey, I got a deacon who has a cottage in, uh, on the Albemarle Sound. And we're like, oh, cool. And so we go down there. And on Sunday, it's time for church. We pick one of the Baptist churches. Uh, I won't say which. Um, from the phone book, I think it was back then. I don't know if we had computers or iPads as much um, that we carried with us. So we went there, we come in. Nice church, you know, medium-sized church, pretty church, nice parking lot. We come up there. We're not greeted by anybody, but that's okay. You know, we come in, we sit down. A few people look at us. Nobody says boo. The the music was, you know, just kind of church music, nothing like today. Some of you folks don't know what you got, all right? You don't know what you got. And, and, you know, it's just okay, you know, sing the hymn, sing the hymn, sing the hymn, or whatever. And then the pastor got up, and God bless him, there was no passion, there was no power that I, that I could, you know, you, John, you're judging. Yes, I am. Just like y'all are judging me right now, so. <laughs> but there was, you know, it was just like, man. So, well, at least, you know, on the way out, you know, the pastor's going to stand in the obligatory pastor spot by the door. Everybody's got to go past him and say what an amazing message it was. And we come up, you know, and and it's obvious we're visitors because, you know, it's a church of 100, 150 people. So we coming out, and I shake hands. I say, hey, you know, I'm John Houston. Nothing. And not that he should know John, but I'm going to introduce myself. This is my wife, Robin. These are my kids. We're here on vacation. Nothing. He's just looking at me. Dead fish handshake. Men, train your boys to shake hands. All right? Seriously. Nothing worse than a dead fish handshake. So anyway, dead fish handshake for a preacher. Oh, great. So he's, you know, and, and I'm like, right, we're, we're visiting. Yeah, we're in a cottage on Albemarle Sound in North Carolina, your state. Nothing. He just he finally says, welcome. That's it. And we go out. Nobody says anything to us. 
I'm like, wow, that was, that was a dead, dead church. At least it certainly felt that way to me. And uh, some of you have been there. For, from all appearances, powerless. Today, from, on Acts chapter 2, I'm speaking on this, moving from powerless to powerful. Powerful churches, power-filled people of God. Because, face it, folks, many of us here today are powerless in sin-fighting. We're powerless in relation-saving. We're powerless in child-raising and, and in faith-sharing. So today, we're, gonna, we're given the solution in Acts chapter 2 of our powerless lifestyles, our defeated lifestyles, our wimpy wandering through this world, how some of you live day to day. So Acts chapter 2, I want you to go there. Hopefully you've got the handy dandy uh, message notes. If you're a server here, you get it for free. That's our little Christmas gift to you. If you're not serving, you ought to sign up to serve and we'll give it to you for free. <laughs> or if for one reason or another you're not serving or you can't serve, uh, it's going to cost you a, 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 a recommended donation of $10. Out there, all right, but they're going to help you. We're going to do it this whole uh, series long and try it this way, okay? <clears throat> and I hope you'll be taking notes. So Acts chapter 2, are you there? Say I'm there. Yeah. All right. When the day of Pentecost, now, I, I write in my Bible, I, I, you know, circle things, draw. You don't have to, but it helps me to see the flow, pick up the high points. Uh, so I'm just going to tell you what I did, all right? So when the day of Pentecost, I, I put from Pentecost a little arrow to the margin, 50 days. This Pentecost, Penta, is uh, five. Pentecost, 50 days after the Passover. So there's a big, the biggest feast after Passover. So when the day of Pentecost, 50, had arrived, they were all, circle all, together in one place. I underlined that. So they were all together in one place. And suddenly, so all the church, you could put out to the margin 120. There's about 120 of them gathered there. Suddenly, they came from heaven, a sound of like a mighty rushing wind. It filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on, and I circled this, each one of them. Each one of them. I circled that, and then I put a line from that to the all above it. You'll see why in a second. And they were all, I circled that all, and put a line from that to the each one of them. So you get boom, boom, boom. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Double underline that. Filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak in other tongues. I put a box around tongues. Out to the margin, I put glossa. G-L-O-S-S-A. That's the Greek word. It means languages. Other languages is what they, they could have and probably should have uh, translated it. They began to speak with other languages, glossa. As the Spirit gave them utterance, now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. They were there because of the big feast. And at this sound, the sound of the wind and the sound of the people speaking in other languages, and this is other languages. This is, you know, French or whatever, uh, Parthian, uh, Median, those, those languages in, in, in that day. So they, they uh, I just lost my place. They, at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language, box around language, line from language to tongues up there, okay? And again, this is the word glasa. I put that off to the margin. And they were amazed, all right? So, you know, you're from media. You're coming to a place that speaks Hebrew, and all of a sudden, these Hebrews are speaking your language. Whoa, what's that? They were amazed and astonished, saying, are these not all that speak uh, Galileans? Out to my margin, I put racism? Question mark. 
Because Galileans were known as the kind of the, that's the outback. That's, you know, that's Suffolk. No, you Suffolk, no. It's past Suffolk. That's Isla White, all right? That's where I live, by the way. All right. <laughs> but they look down on these folks. Ah, you know, you backwoods rednecks. And these rednecks are speaking fluent languages that they can understand. And they, we, we hear them. They speak in Galileans. How is it we heard each of them each of us in his own native language. I put a box around that. This is a different word. This is dialectos, which, from which we get the word what? Dialects, yeah. So it's, again, in the language that can be understood. Parthians, and then he goes through all the dialects. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans, Arabians, and we hear them telling in their own tongues, box around tongues, lying to the languages, which is lying to the other language, lying to the tongues, and that's the word glossa again, which means language. Hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. Underline, underline, underline. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying, Whoa, what does this mean? But others mocking, our circle mocking. <laughs> and then they said, they're filled with new wine. Underline that. But Peter, so Peter takes this as a preaching opportunity. Standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice, addressed them, men of Judea, all you who dwell in Jerusalem, let it be known to you, and give ears to my word, ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, circle drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. Now you're like the third, three a.m. No. Their time telling is different than ours. They start the hours of the day as day, right? From sunrise to sunset, typically around 12 hours. Sunrise around 6 o'clock, so third hour of the day would be what? 9, you are so smart. Third hour of the day, 9 a.m. He's like, hey, man, we had to start early to get drunk at 9 a.m. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. I underline each word. This is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. He takes him back to the Old Testament. In the last days, I underline, in the last days, it shall be, I underline that, God declares, I will pour out my spirit, circle that, on all flesh, your sons, here's the result, your sons, your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see vision, your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit, I circle that, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, signs on the earth below, blood, fire, vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the day of the Lord, underline day of the Lord, comes the great and magnificent day. Now, on the side, I put a bracket or a whatever, a bracket from 19 to 20, and I put T-R-I-B, which is tribulation, line, and then second coming, all right? So he's talking about the end of the last days, tribulation, second coming. That's in all those signs, blood, stuff like that. Verse 21, and I underline the whole thing, it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. 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 Now, this is, this is a huge pass. This is a huge event here in the history of the church and maybe in the history of your life. In, in Acts 2, we're just going to jump right into it. I'm going to walk through some stuff. In Acts 2, in, in verse 1, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all, and you should have circled all, together, and say all to me. Oh, suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. It filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared and rested on what? Each one of them. All right, so all, and then each one of them. This is the Holy Spirit sound and light show. Boom. 
And then it continues. Now here's a point coming here. And they were, what's that word? Say it. All filled with the Holy Spirit began to speak in other tongues or glossa languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now we're going to jump right into it. So I'm going to give you some key points and stuff. Here's key point number one. If I miss church, I'll miss out. If I miss church, I'll miss out. He says, all, they were all, let me go back to the the one before, all together, they were, each one of them filled with the Holy Spirit. They all were filled with the Holy Spirit that began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. If, If I miss church, I'll miss out. And I don't think this is happenstance, this all thing. Just a few weeks before, Jesus had appeared for the first time after he had died and was resurrected, and the disciples were like, oh, man, oh, man, it's all done. It's all, we thought he was going to be the king, and he's dead, and all of a sudden he resurrects, and they're hiding in the upper room, you know, oh, what should we do? What do we do? Lock the door, and he comes through the door, poof, he appears to them, except not all of them, because one dude was missing. Anybody know? Thomas. Thomas, who is, I think, sadly misnamed the doubter. I think Thomas was just like a bunch of you. He's very analytical. Because he said, because they said, Thomas, man, you missed church. Man, Jesus showed up. He's resurrected. It's awesome. And Thomas says, I won't believe until I can just put my finger in the holes in his hand, in the hole in his side. He didn't say he wouldn't believe. He just wanted evidence. (laughs) So later Jesus shows up and goes, come on, Thomas. And Thomas is like, okay, okay. But he missed that huge event the first time that Jesus appeared to the church. He's got, just missing church, got other priorities. The life application box on the back of your sheet for you note takers. I need to decide about my worship. I need to decide about my worship. Spiritual leader of your home, why don't you just do something spiritual? Seriously, why don't you make a one-time decision, a one-time vow? Because a bunch of you, you decide whether to go to church or not every Sunday. Wrong. Wrong. The Sunday is called what in the Bible? The Lord's Day. It's not your day. It's not soccer day. Right? It's the Lord's Day. It's the day he set aside that we're supposed to set aside to honor him. So the Lord's Day, it ought to be set aside and not just every week you make a decision because you know what? You're hurting your kids. You're hurting yourself, but you're hurting your kids too. When they wonder, oh, should we go? Are we going to go to church? We don't know. And they see the priority. It's church is way down on the, on the scale because something exciting shows up. You're going to make that on Sunday. So just make a vow. I, I make a vow. If, if, you're, if you're really a believer... A one-time decision, unless, unless providentially hindered, we're going to be in the Lord's house on the Lord's day. Unless, you know what providentially hindered means? God kept you from church. God gave you to Rona. Right? Something else. Your house burned down. All right. One of those God acts. But God usually doesn't keep his kids from worshiping him. Amen. So unless providentially, you ought to make it. Some of you this afternoon have a family council and say, hey, like, 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 like uh, uh, Joshua, as for me and my house, I don't know what y'all are going to do, serving whatever gods y'all are going to serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Make the decision. Well, I can't force my, what? how old are your kids? 12 and 13. Guess what? Until they're 18. And by the way, if they're 19 or 20 and still living in your house, guess what? Sorry, Billy. 
You live here, you go to church. You're 25 years old, find yourself your own place. Save on my utilities. <laughs> but those little kids, you, well, Billy didn't feel like coming to church. Now, and typically around here, Billy feels like coming to church. It's y'all that don't as much. We get folks who come in here and they admit to me, you know, a year into it, man, John, I didn't want to come to church, but my kid came with his friend and they, they just loved it so much and they nagged me and nagged me and finally I came and now I like it too. Well, nice that your kid is the spiritual leader in your home. Glad it worked, but you need to take those reins. All right. The church is called, amongst other things, the body of Christ. First Corinthians, you can write this little address down in your, uh, in your side thing there. For by one, or in one spirit, we are all baptized or immersed. That's, you know, the idea, immersed. We're all immersed into one body. Into what kind of body? One body. That's talking about the church. The body does not consist of, of one member, but many. So there's a lot of different members. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. God gifted me and, and, and gave me the issues and the experiences to, to do a part of the body, to be a part of the body. Some of us are like the hand, some of us the eyeball, some of us the kneecap, whatever, in the body. We've got different things to do to make the body successful. Some of us, though, or some of you guys are not connected. Oh, you might show up occasionally, but you're not really connected here. You're more like, and you remind me of it in it, the dun 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 dun, dun 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 dun, the thing. You're that disconnected thing on the Adams family. That disconnected hand that couldn't do a whole lot. You know, it could scratch somebody's back or light a cigar, and that's all it could do. Just running around getting into trouble. That's some of you. You're not connected. That's not what God intended. If I miss church, I'll miss out. Say it. If I miss church, I'll miss out. John, are you saying that I won't be filled with the Holy Spirit of God if I miss church? I won't be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you miss church habitually, listen to me, that is evidence that God's Spirit is not in control of your schedule or your passions or your desires. So yes, I would say you're not filled with the Holy Spirit in that scenario. My main point is if I miss out on church, I miss out on what God has for me and what God wants for me. Folks, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, all right? But I, 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 I pass, talked to a pastor one time. How long do you take for you to preach a me, or to uh, write a message? Uh, about three hours. I'm like three hours. <clears throat> I must be slow. <laughs> Serious. Mine averages. I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you. I might be slow. Fifteen to twenty hours. Twenty-one this week on this. And, and it's, it's almost half of the work week that I'm putting into the, you know, the, 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 the menu to, for the, the buffet that we are serving up that I believe that God would have you to spiritually eat. And then some of you have the audacity to go, well, you know, we, we got to go to church. We haven't been in like five weeks. Think we should go to church? Well, if you want to be fed spiritually, one of your problems is you're not being fed on a consistent basis. How does your mama like it at Thanksgiving when you go, hey, mom, I'd like to be there, but, you know, we got a soccer game. She, she put a lot of time into that. And we put a lot of time into everyone who preaches here, everyone who teaches here. We try to, and we're not perfect by any stretch, but we are serving up a spiritual meal that you need. And then I, if I miss church, I miss the fellowship and ministry of my brothers and sisters that I need their ministry to me, and then the body misses me, my presence, my giftings, my ministry, my support. 
And somebody says, well, John, man, you're preaching to the choir. We're here. We're here. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not missing church. I'm sitting right here. That, that, and that's the problem with some of you. That's all you do. You come and sit. You think you're serving by sitting. You're not serving by sitting. You're just sitting. That's all you're doing. I've said it before, and I'll say it again until you get sick of it and to the point that you finally get up and do something about it. Some of you are like my deaf ear. My deaf ear is still attached to my body. Some of you are like, you got a deaf ear. Yeah, last, last year I almost died, and then I didn't die, but I woke up not hearing meningitis. They say, oh, yeah, that typically takes your hearing. It's a good thing you got some, and I got like half of it in this ear. So I was like, I'm carrying around this ear. This ear is doing nothing for me other than holding my glasses. It's all it does. It does not do what it's intended to do. It is taking all the blood and all the oxygen from me and just riding along for free. That's some of you. Or my, my, my pancreas that doesn't work. I'm kind of falling apart. <laughs> my pancreas just quit working one day. Decided, yeah, I don't want to work anymore. But my pancreas still just kind of walking along with me, going everywhere I go, enjoying the blood and the whatever you know and the oxygen. And I have to do workarounds with pills every time I eat or I'll blow up. It's not good. That's some of you. Some of you are like my deaf ear and my dead pancreas. Well, John, I can't teach. Well, why do you think about it? It's teaching. It's not all about it. It's very, very few positions in teaching. Well, I don't like kids. <laughs> You know, one guy who blesses me, I mean, so many of you bless me. A lot of you, I don't even know how you minister here, and so many of you minister uh, in a huge way here. But every morning when I come in Sunday morning, there's a guy who beats me here, and he's out clearing the walks. Ernest sits out there during the service. Yeah. He is clearing the walks of geese poop. Because some of you come in here, and if you get one little dab of geese poop on your shoes, you'll go to the Methodist church. Where they ain't got any geese. So Ernest is serving and blessing, and you don't even know it. He's serving. I mean, there's tons of different places to serve. So come and quit just sitting. If you miss church, you'll miss out. Say it. If you miss church, you'll miss out. Key text goes to key point number two. A spirit-filled church, spirit-filled believers, is to be the norm, not the exception. Jesus was filled with the Spirit. Now, I want you to get some. This is huge. Some of you aren't. You've never got, most of you have never gotten this. Very few of you haven't gotten this. For one thing, being filled with the Spirit is not an option. It's a command. It's not for super spiritual people. It's a command. Ephesians 5.18, do not get drunk with wine. Or don't be filled with wine, like oh, controlled with wine, which is debauchery. But be, and it's an imperative, it's a command, be filled by the Spirit. That's a command to us. The church is called the body of Christ. It's one of the main things it's called. And here's the point. I want you to get this. I, I, if I'm going to go from powerless to powerful, I have to do life the way Jesus did. Now, that sounds preacher to say. I know. But you're like, what do you, what do you mean, Joe? What do you mean? Here's, here's what I mean. And this is huge, 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 huge. You should write this address down. Philippians 2, verse 5 through 7. So Paul is saying, and this is an imperative too, you must, this is imperative, have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Okay, John, all right, try to have the mind of Christ. All right, but what, what, look at, flesh it out. Though he was God, all right, what is, what is he? Say it louder. He's God, all right? He was, he is, and he is to come God. He did not think equality with God as something to cling to, all right? So uh, what does that mean? Here's, here's what it means. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He, go, he gave up 
Christmas time, manger, baby, coming through the womb of a virgin. He, well, here, let me, he took the humble uh, position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he was born as a human being, what, what, is, what is Christmas all about? Christmas is, is all about Jesus, the second person of the Holy Trinity of God, voluntarily laying aside his God powers to come through the womb of a virgin as a weak human baby in Bethlehem. That's what it is. We, we get this idea that Jesus, you know, is God, and he is, and so he's the second person of the Godhead, the Trinity. He is, and so Jesus did all of these things because he was God, the Son, all these miracles, all these resurrections, all this stuff he did because he was God's the son. No. You're like, whoa. What are you saying? He didn't because what he did, he laid aside his divine privileges. He laid aside, he's still God, but up in heaven, he said, Lord, I'm going to go down there and I'm going to become fully human, yet fully God. Don't understand that. Don't understand that, but we just have to take that by faith. So I have this attitude of I am going to give up my divine privileges. I'm going to be born as a weak baby in, 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 uh, in Bethlehem, and I am going to then have to have another power to do my miracles Jesus needed the power of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit of God, to succeed on his mission for God. That's huge. Most of you never thought that went through. Jesus performed all of his mighty works, not because he was God, but because he was empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. You're like, I'm just kind of mind-blowing. John, I always just thought, you know, in the Catholics and stuff, they, they tell stories about Jesus doing miracles when he was a baby, you know, ah, heal the kitten, ah, you know, and all these things, floating, levitating, having fun, dividing the Jordan River like Moses did uh, just for practice. No, no. Jesus had the power of God, but that power was the Holy Spirit of God. Came down at his baptism, dove signifying the power of the Holy Spirit, filling Jesus, and over and over and over again, here I'll show it to you, we'll just go through, you won't be able to keep up, but, but it'll be on the screen. Jesus was birthed through Mary's womb by the power of the Holy Spirit, Luke 1. Jesus led a holy and spotless life through the power of the Holy Spirit, Hebrews 9. Jesus was anointed and fitted for service by the Holy Spirit, Acts 10. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit in all of his movements here on earth, Luke 4. Jesus was given wisdom and was taught by the power of the Holy Spirit, Isaiah 11. Jesus worked all all of his miracles here on earth by the power of the Holy Spirit, Matthew 12. Jesus offered himself as our sacrifice by the Holy Spirit's power, Hebrews 9. Jesus was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit, Romans 8. And after his resurrection, Jesus gave the great commission to his church through the power of the Holy Spirit, Acts 1, verse 2. What does that all mean to me, John? What does that mean to Point Harbor? Here's something that's huge, folks, huge, huge, huge. Satan wants you ignorant of this truth. He wants you doing things in your own power. Some of you are trying. You're just trying. You know, you say, oh, John, I'm trying. Oh, I got an addiction. Oh, I got a, a habit. Oh, I've you know, got a relationship issue, and I'm trying, and I'm failing. No kidding, because you're trying to do it in your own power. You're trying to do it in your own power. This huge truth, the same spirit by which Jesus was originally begotten, birthed, is at our disposal for us to be birthed again, born again in him. The same spirit by which Jesus offered himself without spot to God is at our disposal that we may offer ourselves without spot to God. The same spirit by which Jesus was anointed for service is at our disposal that we may be empowered for service. The same spirit who led Jesus Christ in all of his movements here on earth 
is ready to lead us today in the same spirit who taught Jesus and imparted to him wisdom and understanding counsel and might is here to teach us. It's that same spirit that's available to you. That is the spirit of God. This newly birthed church had just days ago been weak and scared and in hiding and oh no, what are we gonna do? They killed Jesus, they were powerless. Now they are powerful. What changed? Not the people. People the same. They hadn't brought in any church growth consultants. <laughs> hadn't attended any church growth conferences. Hadn't read any Rick Warren and Bill Hybels books. Simply this, a few days ago they were filled with self, which brings along fear and failure. Now as the body of Christ they've been filled with the Spirit of God. I'm not bragging, this is a God thing. But a church that is filled with God's power is going to get God's results, amen? Just today here at Point Harbor, we had 11 people taking their next spiritual step and being baptized between the two services saying, hey, I'm a believer in Jesus. I'm proud to claim, proclaim it publicly. 27 people you'll see at the end are going to take the next spiritual step by joining this body of Christ. Through, through Point Harbor and all El Salvador churches in Peru, Nicaragua, and Cuba, and now here with Pastor Victor, we've had 181 people, men, women, teens, boys, and girls, trust Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Amen? We are getting ready to uh, uh, partner quite possibly with Carrie and, and Jonathan uh, at Pillar Church. Are you guys in the service? You said you were going to be here. All right. Were they in the first service? Did they lie to me? All right. All right. But we're, we're praying about that, doing a, a, a church that's really totally aimed at ministry people, or military people, excuse me, in, in Norfolk next Easter starting. You say, John, but back to this passage in Acts, you know, this, this, all these folks speaking in tongues and stuff. So, so I'm confused. Is my sister, you know, the one that goes to the healing, feeling, squealing church? Is, is she right? Is she is, is being filled? She tells me that being filled with the Spirit is evidenced by speaking in tongues. And if you don't speak in tongues, then you ain't filled with the Spirit. And by the way, John is Point Harbor getting ready to turn into a tongue-speaking church. Ha! I wish. You're like, what? I'm trying to, we have, you know, now on staff, we have our Hispanic uh, minister, pastor, and well, several, because Jose was here forever, but, you know, and, and, and we go to uh, uh, Hispanic-speaking countries, and I just got tired of not, learn, or not knowing Spanish. My mother was a Spanish teacher. I never learned a blessed thing from her. She tried, but I was more interested in baseball and girls. And so I've been trying to learn Spanish. I would love, and I'm actually praying. I've been praying. I told the staff they thought I was laughing or joking. Lord, I pray you'd give me the gift of tongues in languages. I want one specific language. I don't want them all. I just want Espanol. Just poof. Just give it to me. Make me, way up, make me wake up and look at my wife and go, mi esposa. Tu esta bonita. Bring me frijoles. But it hasn't happened, so I gotta work at it. I have to work at getting the tongues. And so I've got an app that I'm working on my, you know, Rob and I both working on the app. But you know, it's hard to learn when you're in your 60s. So I got flashcards. App and flashcards. So I learned things like, ¿Qué tal? What's up? ¿Cómo se llama usted? What's your name? Me llamo Juan. My name is Juan. 
¿Cómo está tu familia? How's your family? Fantástico. <laughs> I want God to give me the gift of time. If he does, I'm going to come up here and blow you guys' minds, right? But we're not doing the, the, the tongue speaking like some of you are used to the tongue speaking. This was a seminal moment in the, in the life of the church, and God often did miracles when he was starting new things. This is the church starting. When he was starting Israel, he was doing some miracles. When he started the worlds, he did some miracles, right? Always he saw more miracles, boom, 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 when God was starting or changing direction on some things. And I think that is what we are looking at here. The evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit is not speaking in tongues, whatever you were told. The evidence biblically of being filled with the Spirit is boldness in spreading the gospel. That's the evidence. Looking uh, further along, a couple chapters down, Acts, when the disciples had prayed, they just got beat up, they got attacked, they were being persecuted. And they prayed at a prayer meeting. The place that they were gathered together was shaken, so it's another, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and started speaking in tongues. Is that what it says? No, they continued to speak the word of God, we think just in Hebrew and Aramaic here, with boldness. That is the sign of someone who is filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Boldness to speak the word of God. And so we've looked at, you, you, John, I've heard, I've experienced, I believe. Write down in your notes real quickly, just 1 Corinthians 14, and then put Isaiah 28, 11. 1 Corinthians 14 speaks of Isaiah. It tells what it means, Isaiah 28, 11. It's a sign for unbelievers gets the gospel out. It's in languages. It's not in this babble thing. I'm not trying to beat these churches up. They're very sincere, I believe. But it's not in this thing that they're talking with the language of angels. What he's talking about here are languages, dialects that everybody from that community can understand to spread the gospel. That's what he's talking about. You get it? Say, I got it. All right. So, John, what is being filled with the Spirit really then? What does it mean? So you can think of it... Like a glass of water, that's how we would think of it, you know, filling the glass of water. But that's not it. really what the meaning is, you know, be filled, okay. It's much more than that. Ephesians 5.18 again, we'll drill down on one word. Do not get drunk with wine, but be filled, or two words, be filled with the Spirit. And that word in the, now get techie, but... It's the Greek word pleruo, pleruo, all right, which means filled, but it means some other things. It's got some nuances and, and, and helps us to understand what being filled. It's not just being filled with, with, you know, just being filled like a gas tank, all right? The first idea, there are basically three, has to do with pressure. It's, it's think of a, 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 a sailing ship. There's a pressure behind. Being filled with the plerua is that, that wind that is behind the ship that propels it forward. That is one of the senses. Be filled with the Spirit. The Spirit is pushing you forward into His will, into things that you might fear, possibly. Plerua. The second sense is this idea of permeation. 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 It means things are entirely permeated. So this is you. All right, here you are. You're a lonely little glass. You're empty. Say, oh, I'm empty. And so you come to Jesus, who is the living water, and that's awesome. And you say, fill my cup, Lord, fill it up, Lord. Na, 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 and you trust Jesus. Hallelujah. Say, hallelujah. I trusted Jesus, all right? And so you, you got heaven, 
right? Heaven is your home, that's cool. But you need something else to do the works that God wants you to, to do. You've, 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 you've received the heavenly water, if you will. Uh, Jesus said, you know, you drink this and you'll be filled with eternal life. What do I need? I need the heavenly Alka-Seltzer. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, then that's the plop, plop, fizz, fizz for your life. The plerua. It totally takes that and it turns it, it flavors it, it empowers it, it disturbs it. That is inside you. Many of you have never been filled with the Holy Spirit at all. And it's not even a huge mystical thing. It's almost a practical thing. It's a spiritual thing, but it's very, very practical if you have not been totally changed and, and are being totally permeated by the Spirit of God. And then the third meaning is total control. The Holy Spirit is in total control of you. Not like a robot, but he's in control. You want to cuss? You don't cuss. Not by your power, because your power you would cuss. You want to lust? You don't lust. Not by your power, because by your power you're like, you know, you know how to do it. You know how to do the side look and the check and all that. You know how to do some of you guys when your wife's around. You got it down to a practiced art. And you're like, I don't want to do it, but I do it. Yeah, you do it because you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit said, not your eyes. Not your eyes. My eyes. You've been bought with a price. Pleruah. So now track with me. Track, track with me. I'm, I know I'm, I'm getting kind of techy there, but this, this is very important. Another parallel verse that explains it is Colossians 3.16, where he says, let the, what's this, what's this word? Word. <laughs> let the word of Christ do what? Dwell in you. How much? Richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. It's a direct parallel. It, it's like, let the word of Christ dwell in you, consume, change you, pleruah, and the, oh, you can only be filled with the Spirit only when controlled by the word of the Spirit, knowing the truth, obeying the truth. And the Spirit is, helps me to obey the truth. So what is Big John? What is just encapsulated? I'll let John MacArthur, he's a lot smarter than me. Being filled with the Spirit means being pressured, permeated, and dominated, pleruah, by the Spirit and by the Word of the Spirit or the Word of God. Application. I need to be daily living a Spirit-filled life. So does my church. But okay, okay, but how? I don't, I don't totally get how you doing this thing, John. All right, I showed you, but you weren't paying attention. All right? Every day I do this. You can do it differently if you want to. You can say, oh, man, that's a little too, you know, check the boxes for me. That's, that's fine. But every day I do this. What's P? Thank you. God bless you. The first service got it totally wrong. Pray. Present. Romans 12. I beseech you, but therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove, discern what is the perfect, acceptable will of God. And so I present, every morning I present, it doesn't take me long, but I present myself. I present my body, my soul, my spirit, my marriage, my family, my, you know, this church. I present y'all whether you want presented or not. <laughs> and, and so I'm presenting, Lord, this is yours. I'm giving it to you for your will. Help me to discern your will. R is what? Receive. I receive, except after C. Receive. <laughs> All right, receive is Luke 11. 
I wasn't going to take you there, but we don't have time. Luke 11. Put Luke 11 down somewhere. Jesus talking about prayer. They're like, oh, teach us to pray. We're not very good prayers. And so he teaches them. Your prayer is what? Basically what? Asking. Prayer is asking. Ask, seek, knock. Go at it. Knock on the door. Ask. And he ends with this in, in verse like 11 or something. How much more, if, 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 if you know how to give your kids good gifts, how much more would, the whole, would God give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I take that to mean the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So I ask the Lord, Lord, please fill me with your Holy Spirit. You're like, oh, did you do that one time a day? All, multiple times a day. I do it before each service sitting over there, before I preach. You don't want John to preach John in the power of John, do you? That's no good. And if I'm in the middle of the day and I realize, you know, I've done something, I've said something that was out of line, and I'm like, wow, that wasn't Holy Spirit, that was me. And then I'm like, Lord, please forgive me. You know, the old sailor came out <laughs> and said, I need your filling, obviously, forgive me. And then A is what? Armor. Armor up, Ephesians 6. I put on every piece of the armor. doesn't take long. You don't need it, but, but, but it says put on the whole armor of God. Some of you all think you put it on when you got baptized. And you don't even think about it ever again. So I get the belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, shoes shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the, the shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit, prayer, and watching your six. The armor of God. D is what? Dwell, Colossians 3. I try to do that. Now you say, well, that's really check the box. And, and maybe just for you, but for me it works. I, I, I've always been a list guy. It's always helped me. And when I do this, I can be assured that I am filled because I've asked for it with his spirit unless I've just done these things you know, out of legalism or duty and not delight. And it's changed my life. I think it's changed this church. Which leads us to key point number three. Spirit-filled churches, spirit-filled believers attract attention. <laughs> so they're, they're out there, they're speaking different languages. There are all these dudes, do you know, in Jerusalem. They come running. They all come running. And they were bewildered. They're like, oh, my goodness, what's going on? And they were amazed. What in the world? And then they said, what is this all mean? I mean, what does it mean? Application for you real quick. Who am I amazing? Who are you amazing? Who are we changing here as a church? Are my neighbors saying, what's up with them? They're different. Not hopefully weird, but they probably think you're weird. Yeah, I went over to tell him that, that cool, hilarious, dirty joke, and he said, hey, man, I'd rather not. I'd rather not. And he didn't go into it, but I think you're kooks. <laughs> who are you different from? Who, who in, in, at your workplace knows, okay, right, they're, 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 you know, they might not like it, probably won't like it. But how do you stand out, not as a Pharisee, but as a spirit-filled believer? Who are you amazing which leads to the next point. There will always be mockers, number four. There will always be mockers of the spirit-filled message. Always will. Jesus had them too. In Acts 2.13, he goes on. <clears throat> says, uh, hey, these dudes are filled with new wine. That's the Greek word glucose, glucos, and it means sweet wine. What they were saying, it was, it was kind of a slam. They didn't say they're filled with liquor. They're filled with wine even. They're filled with new wine. It's wine that's just beginning to ferment. You know, grape juice with a little kick. 
It was a statement. It wasn't just a statement. It was a slam. Man, these dudes, they've been, you know, drinking that, you know, binging on some of that new sweet wine, 3% wine. You know, these guys must have been doing keg stands all night. If you think serving Jesus as a spirit-filled believer or serving in a spirit-filled church is going to give you accolades and fist bumps, you're going to be sadly mistaken. You are. When I pastored in Michigan, we had to take a stand as a church which ended up us churching. I've heard people say, you should never church somebody and put them out of the church. The Bible says the opposite. There's a way to go through, and it's always for restoration, but this dude was a wolf. And he had stirred up, and he had gotten rid of other pastors and other churches and done a bunch of things. And I came as a young pastor, and he thought he was going to just do the same thing. And it was two years. It took two years, and finally came to a big church meeting. He had his his people out in pickup trucks and cars out there. They were mad. They had been led into a previous business meeting uh, before I got there, tore the place up, basically, with accusations and crap. And I said, no, we're not letting them in. If they're not a member, they're not coming in. Oh, are you going to enforce that? Yeah. The deacon said, we ought to call the cops. We ain't going to call the cops. We ain't call the cops. And so we didn't. We, we ended up putting him out of the church, and a whole bunch of people hated me, and my name was talked about in that little community, and you know, for good and bad comes with the territory. And after we put him out of the church, this church just started growing in every category. Application, the world's mockery, confirms my pedigree. The world's mockery confirms my pedigree. Jesus said, hey, you know what? They hate me, and guess what? They're going to hate you. They don't hate you, and they like you. You're of the world. So deal with it. It's, it comes with the package of being a spirit-filled believer. And, and if you're a normal, you-filled churchgoer, ain't nobody going to mock you because you're doing you and you are just like them, don't you see? You're not like Jesus. The world's mockery confirms my pedigree. Key point number five, <clears throat> spirit-filled churches, spirit-filled believers are bold. Paul's preaching, or Peter, excuse me, Peter, <clears throat> standing with the eleven. He says, all right, I'm going to preach. And then he preaches. Let this be, this is in the imperative, uh, known to you. And give ear. He's basically commanding them. Listen to me. These people aren't drunk, as you suppose. It's only the third hour. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning, dudes. He's, Peter was changed. He's not an apologetic little whiny weenie anymore. What, what changed him? Peter had gone from powerless to powerful. How? I mean, remember, he just, had, 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 a few weeks ago, he had, he had denied Jesus, denied knowing him, cussed. Walked away. He's been filled with the Spirit. He's not filled with Peter's weenie weaknesses anymore. Application. The filling of God's Holy Spirit is the silver bullet for my stubborn sins. The filling of the Holy Spirit is the silver bullet for my stubborn sins. All of my sins. Sins of fear, selfishness, anger, addiction. All of it. You don't have a sin that he can't conquer. Now look, Peter doesn't apologize for the works of God now. He, he explains it by taking him to the word of God. Acts 2.16, Peter says, hey, y'all are confused. You should know. You should know the scriptures here. This is what was uttered through the prophet Joel, Joel 2.28. He talked about this is going to happen, man. All this stuff is going to happen. Too many churches are, are always apologizing for the word of God. Trying to edit the word of God. 
And a personal message to you new folks, all right? This is a public service announcement. Point Harbor, this church, is not every person's cup of tea. We're just not. I know that. We won't win any popularity contests with the world. I know that we won't. We're not woke, but we're awake. Amen? We take our stand on the word of God. We take our stand lovingly, but if God's word is clear, there, there we stand. We have to. The world says, I checked it out last night online. People disagree. There are, are 20 or 70 or 107 different genders. God said, I created them male and female. Uno, dos. Two, sexos. We stand with God. We have to stand with God. Some of you don't. The world says, those aren't really your kids. <laughs> They're the state's, the government's responsibility. You just get them after we're done with them at school. God says, you, parent, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. We stand with God. The world says, oh, it's just a clump of cells. You have no right to tell me what to do with my body. Funny, in COVID, they flipped that, didn't they? Never saw anything flip as fast as that. God says, you were created. I knew you before you were ever, you know, around, before you were born. I knew you from, 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 from eternity past, and, and you were created lovingly in the secret of your mother's womb. I put you together as I designed you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. We stand with God. We stand with God. That's not popular with the world, and it shouldn't be. Spiritually bold. Number six. Spirit-filled churches, believers are boldly evangelistic, like Jesus was. Peter, man, he's, he's a changed dude. He is a changed dude. Peter, standing with the 11, lifted up his voice, said, men of Judea, all who dwell in Jerusalem, let it be known to you. Listen to me. Give ear to my words, dudes. <clears throat> hey, people, you all gathered here. Some of you I can see in the crowd who were there at Jesus' crucifixion. Some of you had a part in it. Some of you are the religious muckety-mucks. Believe in the Jesus. You know that Jesus? He died, yes, and he went to that grave, yes, but guess what? He rose, and you know it, and you're trying to cover it up. But we have 500 witnesses, boys, 500 witnesses, so you ought to trust Jesus. you got an option. You don't trust him, you go to hell. You trust him, you go to heaven. You trust this Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. And then he says this, it just brings the invitation around. It shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, everyone, even Jesus killers, shall be saved. You mean it, you pray it, you get it. Point Harbor, we're on a mission. We're not perfect. <laughs> we got our issues, I'm sure. We'll address some of them further in this series of Acts. Application. Get this now. If I'm not boldly sharing my faith, I'm basically living my fears, which means I'm not filled with his spirit because I'm still filled with me. If I'm not boldly sharing my faith, I'm basically living my fears, which means I'm not filled with his spirit. I'm still filled with me. Well, John, that's easy for you to say because you're a preacher and you, it's easy for you preachers. No, it's not. For most of it, I, I guarantee it's not. I, there, there are gifts of the Spirit, but 19 of them. 
One of them is a gift of evangelism. I do not have it. The pastor before me did. He loved to go out door knocking. He loved witnessing and stuff like that. That's not me. Now, I need to, but in John's flesh, I don't want to. I don't want to. I'm actually a lot shyer than some of you think. I really am. I could spend a lot of time alone with just me and Jesus. And so I, I could preach it, but I have to preach it in the boldness of the, of the Holy Spirit. And I could witness, but I have to do that by the Spirit's power because that's my, not by default. It's not. And I can wrestle with that, or I can just say, Lord, you need to fill me. And so since I've been doing the PRAD thing, I, I, God's been opening up opportunities. When you armor yourself, you put on the shoes of the shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That means, hey, God, the, the, the timely delivery of truth. I'm going to take your truth. I, I want to carry it. Will you open a door? Help me to see the door. You set up a divine appointment. Help me to see it. Help me to go to it. And help me to give the truth, whatever that truth may be. So I pray that every day. And God, op- <laughs> God opens doors. It's not easy for me. Robin and I just got back from Florida a couple weeks ago. We were down there. The kids were going on a cruise. And they said, hey, would you watch our kids, you know, Jenny and Leo, and while we're out of town? And we're like, yeah. So we went down there, you know, took some vacation time, went down there. And, and we're there for a week. I had to come back early for you folks. Jorge was here. And I had to come back. So I, I, I you know, got an a early flight out. It's an hour away at the airport down there. And I, I took an Uber. You know, I said, I, you know, I don't want Janelle driving me and I don't want Robin driving me, you know, early in the morning down there. Just, I'll just take an Uber. I don't like to take Ubers, but I'll take an Uber. Robin got me an Uber. So about four in the morning, the Uber rolls up, you know, I'm, I come out there and I'm looking forward to no talking. I'm looking forward to sitting in the back seat. I'm looking forward to looking at my iPad and working on what I was supposed to say to introduce Jorge. That's what I want to do. I get there, the Uber driver comes out, and he comes right, he comes right around, grabs my bag, he goes, hello there, I'm Stuart, you're an Uber driver, I'm from England, could you tell? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I, I, I got that. He goes, why don't you sit up here with me, man? <laughs> so I'm like, as soon as I thought, all right, God, I see what you're doing. So he talked, Stuart talked, and he talked some more, and he talked some more. Remember, it's an hour drive. Talked. Talked. He shared his life. God bless him. He was an interesting guy. How he met his wife, what his kids were doing, how his house burned down. He's living in a trailer in his backyard while he tries to get the insurance fixed out. Why he's an Uber driver. Talked and talked. I listened and listened and listened. Finally, Stuart takes a breath and he says, okay, mate, I've talked long enough, I think. What is your story? I'm like, my turn. My turn. I told him my story which is really my Jesus story, how I was a wild teenager, you know, and ran away from home at 16 with my dad's 38 special, joined the Navy at 18 in rebellion, invited to this church by a drug dealer who I didn't like, and then I said, okay, and then I came to this church, and I didn't like the church, but I met this fine-looking girl named Robinette. And I started coming to church, not for Jesus, but for Robinette. He goes, I get that, mate, I get that. <laughs> but I heard the gospel. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, plain and in my face over and over and over again. I finally realized in my Navy barracks room all alone that I had never personally placed my faith in Christ. And so I prayed in my Navy barracks room all alone to accept Jesus October 21st, 1979. And then I went through the prayer. I just told him what I, exactly what I said. He's looking at me out of the corner of his eye, nervous. And right there, we're pulling up to the airport right then. I thought, well, I've gone this far. I said, Stuart, what about you? You have a personal relationship with Jesus? You got one, man? 
He's like, well, and he mumbled something about church. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll give you an extra tip. You know, Robin had given a tip on the, the app, and I said, I'll give you an extra tip. If you promise, you'll check out our website and listen to a few messages. <laughs> and he smiled and took the 20, and he said, I'll do it to see if this is true or if you're full of shite. <laughs> And I just laughed. I said, I'm not full of shite, man. It's true. It's true, Stuart. Cool thing. I don't know. I don't know for sure, but Ashley, our, our executive assistant, came up to me after I told that in the first service. She said, hey, hey, there's somebody. I was wondering who they were, and they were from Florida, and they just recently gave or something like that on, online, and we didn't know who they were, and his name was Stuart. I hope. I don't know. I don't know. Because Stuart, you're watching. Dude. That's me being full of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't me. I didn't want to talk to Stuart. I wanted me time. I didn't want to talk. Exit question. Are you filled with God's Holy Spirit? Right now. Right now, are you? If you are, you're blessed and, and useful to God. It, 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 with all your junk right, with all your failings. If not, you're disobedient and useless to God. Which one are you? God, I pray that it's the first, that we're filled with the Holy Spirit. But if not, God, let us get it right. Let us just right now, and folks, right, right now, whether you're sitting, just say, God, I want to be filled with your Holy Spirit. Tell me that. Lord, please fill me with your Holy Spirit. Show me if I'm blocking it. Show me if, you know, show me if it's me. It's not, it's not complicated. But help me to Give myself to you. Armor up and ask for your filling. Ask for it every morning and in the middle of the day and whenever I need to. Ask for the filling and refilling of the Spirit of God. And Lord, change my life. Give me that power that I do not have in myself. And Lord, bless our church and give us that power that we don't have in ourselves. And all of God's needy, needy people said, Amen.